Well, good morning. Yeah, we have made it, right? And uh, I'm excited. We are in a series. Actually, we're closing it out today in the book of Colossians. And the series is called Prioritize. And we've been walking through what does it mean to value the different elements that God's calling us to. Not just what I would want, but what does God want me to be all about? Valuing Him. And so I'm just going to do a quick review before we jump into this last chapter. Valuing. In Colossians chapter 1, we were challenged to value His gospel. That we would see His glorious gospel as the amazing, impacting solution for our lives. That his gospel affects every single piece of what we go after. And then we looked into the preeminent Christ. And what does it mean to be worshiping this vast, glorious king? The the one who is sustainer and provider, creator, redeemer, Lord. May he have our full attention. Amen? Amen? Yeah, let's get pumped up on who Jesus Christ is. Colossians 1 was closing out with the greatness and the grandeur of Christ. And then from there it was take the gospel and take the great Christ. And putting those two together, what's the best way to see that grow and explode? The church. And value his expression into us, his body, as the church. And then we moved into chapter 2 where we basically learned this. Don't try to earn it. It's yours. If you trust in him, you already have his love and his attention. It's not about trying to be this legalistic endeavor, right? It's not about this big set of rules. And it's not about beating the flesh into submission. It's God, you and you alone are sufficient. Your blood for me. And that's all I need. Amen. Hey, that's our God. His solution for us. And that's all we need. He's our great king. We don't need anything else. And then he turns to Colossians 3. And he begins talking about holiness. And if you're not watching out for it, you could start tripping right back into the legalism that he just told you to set down. And in Colossians 3, we're challenged this wonderful privilege of thanking him, repeatedly thanking him, not to be loved, But because I am loved. Not to be loved, but because I am loved. That is Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of God richly dwell. Lord, rock my world with your greatness. And may I turn around and worship you and serve you with all I've got. That's Colossians 3. So when you put those three chapters together, it's let's get fired up about Christ. And may he be the center of our everything. And one big collective, that's what we need to be about. Okay? And and that's awesome. And, and, And so we've got it. And so we're done then, right? And why not just, let's move on. What's the next study then? And well, actually, it's not that you get fired up. And it's not that you just know him personally and know him greatly. It's not that he rock your world. It's once you have that, why in the world keep it to yourself? That's Colossians 4. So what does it mean to be fired up? What does it mean to share my faith with somebody else? How do I boldly share? That's what we're talking about today, okay? So turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 4, and let's learn how. we got the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands, and if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through Colossians 4 here, all right? How do I boldly share? 
All right, first step. Pray steadfastly for open doors to share the gospel clearly. Pray steadfastly for open doors to share the gospel clearly. We'll just start in Colossians 4, verse 2 here. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. The word continue means to keep on doing what you're doing. Like he loved what he was seeing in the Colossian church, and he was saying, keep walking that way. And as you're running after Christ with all you've got, by the way, don't just do it in your own power. Steadfastly in prayer. Okay, so let's break it down. In prayer, meaning like as you step out, make sure you look up. Have a communication with the Almighty God. He's got thoughts and plans. He's moving in this world. Lord, where do you want me that you might be glorified? As you step out, be looking up and talking to him. I'm praying, Lord. How often? Every once in a while? Maybe just a little bit? Right? Steadfastly. Like continuously, repeatedly, in dedicated form. Lord, I want to know where you're moving and what do you want from me? Pray steadfastly and continuously. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful. In other words, you're aware. You're careful. You're very God-centered in what you're doing. Lord, I haven't lost sight of the fact that the reason I'm on this earth is that you might get the greater glory. What do you want me to do? Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You're repeatedly reviewing God's work in your life. You're seeing his handiwork. Hey, it's pretty easy to get up in the morning and complain about the backache or the, I don't quite feel right. Maybe I'm getting sick from what the kids have or the, you know, can you believe so-and-so said such-and-such or I can't believe work and they blah, 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 right? And the first thing we do is we start listing All those things, well, quite frankly, that aren't quite right. And if I were in charge, then I would dot, 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 right? And we have to be careful because all of a sudden we very quickly lose sight of the fact that, God, you are in charge. And Lord, you've walked me through an imperfect world with this goal in mind, that you might get the greater glory. What do you want from me this morning or this afternoon? Lord, I see your hand at work, and I've seen you moving in my family, and and Lord, I've watched you work with my friends, and and God, I'm so thankful for what's going on there, and thank you for how you're providing in this job that sometimes bothers me, but quite frankly, praise God, I've got a job, And, and Lord, I'm amazed with what you're doing in my family, and sometimes it really ticks me off what my kids are doing, but praise God, I've got wonderful kids that I love and I'm able to raise, and Lord, thank you for my friends who, well... Sometimes they don't quite get what's going on, but praise God that you're working in their life and we're seeing you work in their life. Thank you for what you're doing. Review God's work in your life. Hey, you're in a bigger picture story. It's God's story. And what role do you play there? Keep asking yourself that, all right? Notice he says, at the same time, So that's great that you've been considering yourself and praying for yourself there and working through things there for direction. Pray also for us. What should they be praying for? Okay, here we go. If we're going to be sharing our faith, four things that we need to be praying for. Four C's, all right? Get ready. Here we go. So the first one, we need to be praying for coordination. 
We're coordinating with the Holy One as He works, all right? Now notice what He says. Pray there that God may open up doors to us for the Word. That God may open up doors to us. Lord, I'm looking to share. Where do you want me to go? Lord, I'm willing to share with whoever, whenever, wherever. Who might it be? Or you know what, Lord? It seems like maybe I should be sharing with this coworker of mine. And so can you open a door for that? A time where we can chat about things that are deeper than just the workplace. And how you lead in that, I'm going to be very willing to let you lead, Lord. You show me how you want this done. Pray for God's leading in coordinating your efforts. Don't just brazenly run out and bash people all over the place because you're the victorious sharer of Jesus. Right? And, and then people are like, that guy's offensive. And you're like, well, the gospel is offensive. No, brother, it's just you. You know what I'm saying? Like, be careful. Don't offend because you're a jerk. Like, that's not what boldly means. It, it, it means literally to gently but patiently and passionately understand where God's called you. Hey, the gospel message does have boldness in it. And it does have some offense to it because we have to admit, well, that we do come up short. There is an offense to that. If that's what they're offended by hearing, well, then okay. But if what they're offended by hearing is that at the moment they're not ready to hear something or they're not in a time to, they've got a deeper hurting question and you don't want to talk about it, you're pushing on past, that's offensive in a whole different way. Be praying for God's coordination. Lord, what do I need to hear from them? How should I be sharing with them? What do you want spread? And in what way and with whom? Coordination, that's the first C. The second C, pray for content. Lord, what is it that I need to share? Notice what Paul says here. Pray that open doors, uh, doors may be open to us for the word. Okay. This isn't, Lord, I'm praying that there might be a way for us to just have 19,000 meals with our next door neighbor before we ever talk about anything of the word. It's not that. It's Lord, help us to be able to share the word and then specifically to declare the mystery of Christ. To declare the mystery of Christ. What mystery is that? You know, the one where the almighty God of the universe holds us accountable for our actions. And where we've come up short, and each and every one of us has, that where we've come up short, he is willing to step in and make a replacement payment available for us. The great gospel message, God for me, him for me. That's the mystery of the gospel. And be praying for a chance to share that specific mystery. Him for me. This is what it means, man. We don't earn it. It's not about good enough to get to heaven. What a wrong way to say it. It's not about a place to go. It's a God to be with. And it's not about an earning of. It's about something he does for us. To God be the glory. Content. It's a big deal. I'm not sure I know which content to share, Tim. Well, we say it this way. Look, it's not easy, but it's as simple as ABC. Okay? It's not easy, but it's as simple as ABC. So what do those mean? For content, A, admit that I'm a sinner. Like, accept that. I, I, I need to embrace that I've come up short. And an easy verse for showing them is Romans 3.10. And Romans 3.23 if you want another one. So Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23. If you're going to be sharing, you got to know these verses. So if you're like, yeah, I'm not sure what to share, then be writing them down. A is admit. And it's just Romans 3.10. It says, there is none righteous. Nope, not one. That's it. And so you turn it and you have them read it. What does this say? 
says there's none righteous. What's that mean to you? Well, I, I guess that there's nobody who's righteous. Yeah, what's righteous mean? Like perfect. Good. That's what we're talking about. The scripture just says there's nobody perfect. Can you buy that? Yeah, I really can. I've told you guys this before, but I've only had one person ever tell me they were perfect. Can you buy that there's nobody perfect? Oh, I think I am. Shut up. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, seriously, I really think I'm perfect. Come on. All right, let's talk about it a little bit. And so we talked about it by the end of it. He's like, all right, maybe not perfect, but I'm close. All right. There is none perfect. Can you buy that? Yeah, I can buy that. All right. And we moved on. Romans 3.23 is another piece to that, right? It's still under the admit, and it's simply this. We've all come up short. We've all come up short. We're not perfect, and that does mean short, okay? It's like an air ball. And Romans 6.23, the first part, is also a great one to put under there, under the admit. And it's there's a penalty. There's a penalty. It's eternal separation from him. For the wages of sin is death. And you get through those couple of verses, Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. You've made it very clear what the problem is. And that's where they need to admit, A. B, believe. The turning corner is when they say, I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to trust in him, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Lord, I'm willing to trust in you. Both believe and confess come right out of that same passage. And so believe is like, I'm willing to start saying, I, he, he was raised from the dead. He is God. I trust in him. Okay. But it's more than that too. It's confess him as your Lord. And that's C. Confess him as your Lord. Hey, there's a lot of people that admit that they're sinners. There's a lot of people that admit that they're sinners and they believe Jesus died on the cross. In fact, the devils believe and tremble. James chapter two, confessing him as your Lord. That's when it all changes. Are you ready to see him in charge in your life and set it all down? It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. That's what it means to come to somebody with content. Those quick verses, Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 and Romans 10.9 and 10. Powerful little walkthrough. Don't just read them or don't just lecture at them. Turn it around and let them read the verse, okay? And as they read it, say, what's it mean to you? And if they need to break it down and stop and do part of it, do that. And just chat about what it means. When they get stuck and they're like, I'm sorry, I can't buy that. I don't believe that. I don't know what it means. It might mean that that's your point to just stop and say, well, then let's just ponder that, okay? And let's just hold there. You take somebody and you help move them forward one step. That's what it looks like, all right? So the first thing to pray for is coordination. The second thing to pray for is content. The third thing to pray for is clarity. Notice he says in verse four, that I may make it clear. Clarity. Lord, I want to make sure that as I share this gospel, it's not one big muddy mess. It's not totally confusing, but instead you completely grasp what's going on. Lord, help me make it clear. And a big part of clarity is you hearing what they're asking. Did you know that? Like if you come in with an agenda And they're saying they have a question and you won't answer it, but you'll answer your own version. Well, there's a lot of times where they get confused. Make sure you're hearing the question and you're helping to walk through the question. And you might even need to say, that's a great question. Could we table it for a second to be able to get through this? Could we just do that and and walk through this and see what they say? If they go, yeah, that's great, fine. But I still want to know about that. That's okay. Making sure you talk together clearly. Lord, help this to be Simple and direct and clear. May your word light up for them. And watch the Holy Spirit work. 
So coordination, content, clarity, and then the last one is cause. Lord, may I grasp the right purpose in doing this. He says that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Look, Lord, I'm yours. You're my king. And and I'm willing to stand for you, and I'm willing to be in honor of you, and I'm willing to make sure others know about you. I want to make sure they hear of you. May you be glorified, Lord. It's all about you. Not about my comfort, but about my king. Say it with me. It's not about my comfort, but about my Okay, that's what we're talking about. And Lord, I'm out here as a representative of you, the almighty God of the universe. That's my cause. May I never lose sight of it. May that be a big part of your prayer as you're going. So coordination, content, clarity, and cause that God might get the greater glory. You know, this, uh, one of the things we do at Harvest is, you know, we pass those registers down the row, right? And so you're telling us that you're here and you've got some prayer requests and those things. We use those as well, though. I mean, we take advantage of, hey, who did you guys see today and who was there? And we're talking through it and we pray during staff meetings and, and check over things. But at the same time, we're using those registers to know who wasn't here as well. And the combination of who we've seen and who we've talked to and what the registers say, we put together and we sort of track. And when people haven't been with us for a few weeks, we give them a buzz. We, we call and just let them know they were missed. And we might send them an email early on, but then a, a, it's a check to say, you matter to us. It really does matter. And we want to know how you're doing. And it's, it's called assimilation is the big word, right? I love doing assimilation when I was up at Harvest Naperville. That was one of my jobs on staff there. And it was one of my big jobs each week was to uh, spend time connecting. And there were probably 30, 40, 50 phone calls a week to make on that. And each time was, as I go to pick up the phone, Lord, what do you want done here? I'm not sure who this is, and I'm not sure all that's going on necessarily, but may you stir. And there was one specific time where I was asked to call this person. They hadn't been here in a number of weeks. They came once or twice to the church, and and so I gave them a call, and uh, this was up in Naperville. And as I went to give them the call, I just said, Lord, seems like something big's going on. They've got a big hurt. They've made that known. May this truly be a time where you're honored. Give me the words. And then as I picked up and called, she picked up, she answered, which a lot of times they're not there or whatever. She answered and we talked for a little bit and, and she said, yeah, I'm probably not going to be coming back to church. And I, can I ask why? I just, I'm done with God. Okay. Can I ask why? I mean, it's okay if you don't want to share, but I'm just asking why. And, and she said, yeah, actually, I, I'll tell you, um, you know, we had a family member pass away last week and young and It's just not right. And a good God wouldn't let that happen. Do you know what I'm saying? I I just can't worship that kind of God. And I don't know what's going on. I don't get it at all. And and so we talked through it a little bit. and, And I said, so help me understand, where are you stuck the most? Okay? Great questions, by the way, to just simply throw it out to them. So where are you stuck the most? And sometimes they'll go, I have no clue. I don't know. And then you can walk through something with them. Sometimes they'll tell you exactly. She told me. She said, a good God wouldn't let it happen. That must be evil, so he must be evil. That's where I'm stuck. I said, okay, what if I were to walk it through with you and say, I can show you from Scripture that that's not the case? Would you want to hear that? (sighs) Okay, sure. No, really, if you want to, that's great. I'll walk it through with you. If not, then I'll just be praying for you. And she said, no, I want to hear it. I said, okay, it's going to be hard. Are you ready to hear something hard? Yeah, okay. Seriously, we'll walk it through. It's going to be a little difficult. Let's do it. And so I walked through the explanation of a great good God working with a broken world. And where did sin come from? 
And actually it came from mankind and, and our mistakes are what brought sin into this world. Read a little bit from Genesis 3 to her and the collapse of this world around us is because of our mistakes and choices. And here's the irony is in the midst of that hurt and in the midst of the destruction, we end up shaking our fist at God and saying, why did you let that touch me? And it, and yet it was our, our choice. And that spins us out. So with that explanation, where actually does the problem of pain and hurt and loss sit? On God or on us? She goes, oh, kind of sits on us. And I said, are you part of us or are you not a part of us? She goes, no, I'm part of us. I said, okay, well, join the club. We're responsible for the sin in this world. And we're responsible before God. We walked through a little bit more and I just said, look, there is a remedy. Do you want to know about it? Absolutely. And so I walked through the gospel message and just did the ABCs. And at that point, she had released her God's to blame thing. And we walked through the ABCs. And by the end of it, I said, what do you think? Would you want to confess Christ as your Lord right now and accept him? And she broke into tears. And she said, you got to be kidding. Absolutely, I'd do that. Why wouldn't I do that? She accepted Christ on the phone. I said, do me a favor. You got to do me a favor. You've got to call your friend that passed your name along and you got to tell him. Okay. Just call him and tell him that you just accepted Christ. Here's what went on. This is where you're at. And I'm going to be in church next week. She said, okay, I'll do that. I get a call like 40 seconds later. Dude, what happened? You know, and we started talking to him. He's like, I've been witnessing to her for 12 years and she's never accepted Christ. How do you have one phone call? And I said, dude, you got to be kidding me. That's the wrong way to say it. You have been planting for 12 years. I walk in, I do a little bit of watering. God gives the increase. Amen. Hey, that's what it's about. I don't know where I'm at in it. I don't know where God's at. Yeah. Amen. Go ahead and give him an applause. God at work. That's what we're talking about. Never take the credit for God's work, his glory. Some of us plant, some of us water. God gives the increase. I want for you guys, each and every one of you, to be able to experience that. That moment where you're sharing with a friend or a family member and they're just immediately ready to change, switch, and come over to God's side, to be able to say, yeah, I want to trust in him. So here's my question for you. Are you ready to pray powerfully? Are you ready to pray with the four C's in mind in your life? Like, Lord, use me. I'd love for somebody to come to know you that more might be worshiping you to your glory. Are you ready? And then here's the next question. Who? Who might he be calling you to talk with or share with? Ask God to bring him across your path. Ask him to make it clear who it might be. Somebody might give you a call and say, can you do me a favor? I need some help. I got to talk to somebody. I'd love for somebody to be there. Or they might say, hey, I was talking to so-and-so. And, or you just might have somebody on your mind. Be praying to reach out that God might get the greater glory. That God might be able to say, yeah, that's exactly who I'm working with. We call them red apples. You'll hear that a lot at harvest, right? Red apple. It's like ripe. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a big, heavy red, the kind where you just touch it and it falls off the tree. Red apple, okay? It's God's ripening them. And our job is to say, God, I don't know where they're at in the process. I'm willing to be a part of them taking the next step and ripening for you. And a red apple is somebody where God's like, it's time. It's time for them to trust in me right now. May God get the greater glory as we pray and pursue him 
and sharing of him. And I ask one big question. Amen? Amen. And I ask it bigger. Amen? Amen? Hey, really consider it. You can literally be there when someone commits to Christ. We're told in the scriptures that the angels celebrate the moment where somebody accepts him as savior. There is a party celebration going on as the name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. And you're there to witness the moment. That's what I'm talking about. God, I've come to know you as preeminent king of the universe. Change me. And then may I be there when somebody else gets to say, are you kidding? Yes, you're my king. King to. I'm willing to follow you. That's an awesome privilege. My prayer is that you grab that with all you've got. That's valuing sharing boldly. Pray that God might bring the opportunity. All right. A little worked up on that. Number two, live in a way that your words and actions are a help, not a hindrance. Live in a way that your words and actions are a help, not a hindrance. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. The word walk here means to conduct yourself, to actually have your actions be in a way that is wise toward outsiders, meaning you're making it clear what it's all about. It's not about what they think of me. It's what do they think of Christ as they look at me. That's being wise towards outsiders it's not presenting yourself so you come off cool but so you come off as christ's and those two can be one and the same by the way all right world's version of cool maybe not but absolutely cool you've got your act together you know what it means you handle yourself wisely and well and you know the almighty king of the universe that's what this is meaning live in a way where people go i don't know what's up with that guy But I wish I had a little bit of what he had. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. We talked about this last week, but live theologically. Okay? We were talking about it in the sense of the family, right? A family is biological and sociological for sure, right? We know there's blood lineage and there's teaching each other to be nice with each other, right? But theological, like there's a God story going on and what is our role in it? And live that way with all of your life. I'm in this workplace and God's called me here and I'm not exactly sure why, but God's got a reason. And I'm going to live for you, Lord. Live theologically. That's making the best use of your time. You're always asking, God, what do you want done? Not just what do I want done? Notice he says, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious. How often should we let it be gracious? Always. Yeah. And how often is always? always? Yeah. No duh, right? Like it means like don't let your guard down. Keep it together. All the time be wrestling with that. Let your speech always be gracious. It's don't try to control them. Don't try to hurt them. Don't try to push them. But make sure you're sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is in a wise and careful way. Make sure that you handle yourself when it comes to your work stuff well. That they see integrity in how you handle yourself. That they see a love in how you handle your family. 
Make sure that you live in a way and speak in a way that they see graciousness in you always. Use your mouth for God's work, not for Satan's. That would be the simple way to say it. Satan tears down. God builds up. How are you using your mouth? It says seasoned with salt. You know, the salt was used as a preservative. It would prevent disease. Uh, It means basically it's a metaphor. It's saying make sure that you and the words that you use and people being around you actually have some level of protection from you and preservative because of you. I just wrote these down. This came out of a, a John MacArthur commentary, but he wrote down a list of like 12 things that we do with our mouth in the Bible. Christians, things we do with our mouth. Ready? Uh, you don't have to write these down. If you want to, you can. I'll read fast, though. Confession of sin. 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins to him. Confession of Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, edifying. Building others up. Ephesians 4, 29. That we talk of God's handiwork. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That we praise God. Hebrews 13. That we bless our enemies. First Peter 3, 9. That's a tough one. When they come against me and when they slam me, praise God. I'm going to try to find a way to reach out to them in a loving way. Talk about God and his greatness and his grandeur, Psalm 66. Talk with wisdom and kindness, Proverbs. What is that? I can't even read my handwriting. Proverbs 31. Talk about him with gentleness, Proverbs 15. Instructively, Matthew 5. Graciously, Luke 4, meaning lovingly and forgivingly, and blamelessly, Luke 11. Those are just some of what's in Scripture about how we should use our mouth. Man, we have a big responsibility. We're extremely vocal people, you know? I've heard statements like uh, 25,000 words for men, 50,000 words for men and women. Have you ever heard that? My wife's like, it's not true. My, my husband has 100,000 words. I talk a lot. But uh, it, it works out well for my job, you know? But, you know, no matter what, that's a lot of words to use. And I'm telling you, even if you only have like 20,000 words a day, you're like on the lower end of that masculine scale. Like you only have 20. That's still a lot of words to be making some good statement or some rough statement. Okay, it's Lord, what am I doing with my mouth? Make the best use of your time. And I started thinking about it more and I came to this conclusion, you know, all too often when we try to watch our speech, we actually do this. We try to stop bad things from coming out. We try to block it. But what we're actually not doing is worrying about the heart. And we're told in Matthew 5, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so the better move is not to try to cap it or put a, you know, dam in there that stops it. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So don't just block the stream. Let God transform the source. Don't just block the stream. Let God transform the source. When he's saying, let your speech be gracious, he's saying, let God have his work in your heart. Let him work in you to transform you, that you might spill forth encouraging words and kind words and positive words, and that you might be seeing God's work in it and talk of it and thank him for it. And those are things that come out of the Holy Spirit working on your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of God richly dwell. It's the end of Colossians 3 there again. Okay. Make sure that you take on that. As your goal. You know, there was a, a guy I was talking to um, a couple weeks back here. He goes to Harvest. And uh, um, 
deciding how detailed I should be because I don't have his name, permission to share his name, but I'll just say it this way. He came to me and he's like, dude, I love sharing Christ. And, and we actually have had a number of people that started coming to this church because he uh, drives for a living and he stopped and talked to different people and we've got different people that have come to this place because they met him and he's, he's just on fire and they start asking him questions and he says, I go to Harvest and they're like, I think I want to go to that place too then if you're going there and, and they show up because of him and he loves to share at different levels and, and so one time he was walking in and uh, he had a piece of fruit and uh, and he decided he wanted to share this fruit with a person he knew they had a need. And I'm just going to cut the story short. He ended up bringing the fruit to him and giving it to him. And they felt very cared for. And they, they ate this banana. And, and he's like, you know, I love bananas. I should carry more around and just share them. And so he carried two bananas around. And in fact, he decided somebody actually joking around with him told him to put a verse on it. So he did. He wrote a verse on it, the, the, a place to look up, right? He just gave the address of it. And as he walked in, he went to hand it to this guy. And he go, and as he's walking in, there's somebody next to him. They're like, dude, what do you have a banana for going into a business meeting? And he's like, I'm giving it to somebody. Okay. So they walk in and he says, hey, I have a banana for so-and-so and hands it across and it goes over to be given to this person. And you know, the admin's like, you want me to give him a banana? Yeah. You want me to give him a banana? Yeah. Okay. Go give him the banana. There's something written on it. Yeah, I put that there. Okay. Look at that. Set it down. And, and so they go back. He walks out. And this other person that was questioning him in the admin, they pull it up on Google and they start looking up the verse. And it's actually it was a whole chapter. And so they're reading this whole chapter. And, and as he's walking back, the guy's scratching his head and he goes, all right, I don't get it. He goes, what don't you get? And he goes, the word banana is not in there anywhere. <laughs> He said, it's not about that, man. It's something, it's deeper than that. He goes, do you even know what it says? Yeah, I do know what it says. It's a great passage. I love it. God is at work in my life. He shares a little bit about Christ. And you know what? That guy at that moment at least got this snapshot. He loves Jesus Christ. Okay? And he's real about it. And he also wants to help out. He knows this person wanted some fruit. And so he brought him some. He's just being giving and... That's what it looks like to be just saying, God, what do you want me to do? It might be as wildly unique as writing on a piece of fruit. It might just be saying, hey, do you want to go out for lunch and chat? I'd love to talk with you. But it's being willing to have your actions and your words line up in a way that they really care what you have to say. What church do you go to? And then they find out and they're like, I want to go where you're going. It's impacting you in some, I don't get that. I want to go there and see what that is. That's what we're talking about. That God might use you. To back up who he is. Are you backing up the almighty and reflecting him well with your actions and your words in a way that he is truly stirring in other people's hearts? What a great privilege and honor we have to speak for our king. So first is pray. Second is make sure your general actions and words. And then third is partner with gospel hungry, God empowered people and reach out partner with gospel hungry god empowered people and reach out now this is a pretty long list we're going to go chapter or verse 7 all the way to the end there's 10 people that are listed here okay and i'm just going to tell you right up front there's five guys that are jewish and there's five guys that are gentiles not jewish okay and basically what paul is trying to say is i want you to understand this god's at work He's at work amongst those that are called to be his, Israel. And he's at work in those that are called to be his, but they aren't Israel. The Greeks, the Gentiles. He's at work in both and he's moving powerfully. Check out the names of what God's doing. And Paul's just kind of giving a little thank you list, but watch what he's got here. Look at these names. Tychicus, verse 7. Great name for your child if you want to 
have them threatened for life. Yeah. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Beloved, faithful, and fellow servant. Tychicus, a lot of good to say about the guy. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. Notice what you do with strong believers. It's not holy huddle time. It's not grab them and pull them close and make sure it's all about me. And I'm glad I found a strong guy. And now me and him, we're going to hang together for life. It's I found somebody strong and we're growing together. And now it's time to send him out that God might get the greater glory. And the song that we just did at the offertory there, send us out. It might look like going into your workplace. It might look like a total change like some did when they went to Denver, for example, or wherever it might be that God's calling you to be considering what God might have you to do and. Notice it says Tychicus, he's got this belovedness, this faithfulness, he's a servant with him. It says, I have sent him to you for that purpose. Then this other name, Onesimus. This is the same guy that's in, mentioned in Philemon. This is the slave who became a believer while with Paul. And Paul sent him back home saying, he's no longer a slave, he's now a brother forever. That's who he is. And here he calls him faithful and beloved brother. Another guy who's got it going on. He knows the greatness of God and willing to share it. The next guy, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. Like this dude standing up with Paul and taking the heat. He's willing to go to prison for sharing the gospel. Aristarchus. And Mark, this is the guy who ended up saying, uh, I need to go back home. And Paul was like, you what? You're going now? You're leaving us? Remember, there was that whole little battle that went on and they kind of separated for a season. This is that guy. Actually, in, in Timothy, he refers to him as useful At the end of, like he became a guy who had staying power and strength and faithfulness. And they got along well in the end of their ministry. He's mentioned here as a guy who's got it going on. And he says, and Jesus, not the same Jesus. This guy's called Justice. All right. So uh, these guys have it happen. And these are men of the circumcision. Okay. These are great, powerful men of God because they're letting God work in their life. They have it going on. They're gospel hungry and God empowered. All right. And then beyond the circumcision, it says there's Epaphras, who's one of you. So now we're moving into the Gentiles. He greets you. He's struggling on your behalf in his prayers. So he's a strong prayer and a hard worker. It says in verse 13 that he works hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So you've got Epaphras. Then Luke, beloved physician. Demas. These guys are just powerful workers for Christ. Luke's traveling all over the place and recording things. He's the guy who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts as well. It says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. This is a woman who has huge gifts of hospitality and she's helping this church to be able to run and thrive underneath her. Okay, she's protecting and guiding and she has the gift of hospitality there. Just a huge help to that church. And then at the bottom there he says in verse 17, And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Paul already's got a little bit of a hand of authority there, right? Hey man, we raised you up and we prayed over you. We laid hands on you. See to it that you fulfill that ministry. We believe in the Almighty God and we see His work in your life. Get ready. God's going to do amazing things through you. You let him work. Ten different people. God-empowered, gospel-hungry people. The question for all of us is, 
Do we work with those kinds of people? Or do we tend to hang with a different kind of person? Who's the kind of people you find yourself with? My challenge, my wife and I used to always talk about this, is fly with the eagles. Who you hang with, you're going to act like, okay? Fly with the eagles. It's a great statement to make to your junior high type kids and to say, look, I want you to be looking for quality character and people that get it, people that aren't getting into trouble, okay? And fly with the eagles. Launch up there, all right? And live up there with them. It's a great challenge. They are faithful. They are godly. They are Christ-centered. They get what's going on. Well, if I fly with the eagles, doesn't that mean you just told me to have a holy huddle? Is that what it's all about? Like, so I just get together with everybody who's got it going on and I blow everyone else off. I thought you just said not to do that. And yeah, hang on. We're going to cover that. No, not the holy huddle. That means you never break huddle. Okay. That means you gather with them and you never break. You're always with them and them alone. The challenge instead is to make sure that you have a minister with crew and a minister to crew. Okay. Let that settle. There are people I minister with and there are people I minister to. And if you mix those two up and you start ministering with the ones you should be ministering to, things will collapse around you. You will find it to become a train wreck where they make bad decisions and there's deep sin in their life where they hurt the people and they're countering the very productive ministry you want to have. And if you minister with the ones you should be ministering to, it gets pretty ugly. Okay? So the call is to minister with those of a high godly character and be supporting each other and rallying with each other and then reach out to the ones that are hurting and in need. You don't lean on ones you're ministering to. You lean on ones you're ministering with. That's the list Paul gave here. These are ones you lean on. Now, here's another question for you. So are you a with or a to kind of person? Like, be real. When people hang around me, I, well, I kind of drag them down. Are you a to kind of a person that you need to be ministered to? Then do me this favor. Let someone minister to you. It's time to grow. It's time to step beyond it and say, Lord, I want to become strong for you. Lord, I want you to be worshipped in my life, and I want the strength and the power of you to be moving through me. May you get the greater glory. It's time to become a with. May God move and stir in you for that, okay? Let's all strive to be that strong, godly eagle worth flying with. And let's lock arms to be with others like that. And then let's reach out with all we've got. The best thing I could do to describe our impact groups is to say this. There's some with and some to in our small groups. Like there's a powerful, white, hot core, on fire and excited. There's a couple of couples at least within each small group, maybe more. And then there's some people that are maybe hurting a little bit. And, and that group together should learn to grow together. And those of you who are hurting a little bit, get some. let them help you. Get some growth going on, okay? And for those who have some hurt around you, please never say these words. I've already been there. I don't want to go back there. I, I wrote it down this way. This is the simple way I can say it. Let me find the quote. Uh, when we're blessed to have a transformational experience with God, that experience should lead us to compassion, not to judgment. When we're blessed with God touching us with transformation, that should lead to compassion, not to judgment. If it leads to judgment, you've taken a hard left and you've made it about you. Make sure it's all about the Almighty God. 
That's what brings continued compassion. Lord, how can I reach out to those around me and be a help? Our challenge is that we be God-empowered, that we be gospel-hungry, and that we partner with those who are. And then we turn compassionately and we do ministry with those who are looking to get up to the next level with Christ. To God be the glory. Amen? Colossians chapter 4. May God get the glory as we reach out to those around us. It's not a holy huddle. May we worship the preeminent king, our master, our savior. We are absolutely experiencing a salvation from him that is nothing about us. It is everything about him. He is mighty to save. Amen. He is mighty to save. Amen. Hey, that's our king, and he saved me, and I'm willing to work with you, Lord, and I'm willing to go where you want, and I'm going to be as joyous as I can, and change me where I'm not, and Lord, may the people around me simply get this. You are real, and you make an impact in people's lives. To God be the glory. He is mighty to save. Let's run with those gospel-empowered. Let's reach out to those who are in need of stepping up a notch, that we might share the compassion of him with this world. Amen? Colossians. Prioritize, and you're going to be rocked with what God does in your life. Let's pray.